the track. You know how we do it, man. Oh boy, C H P C the phenol. Hey you. to the press box with your man Jermaine again we're back again this time we're talking about the SEC welcome to the tailgate show and first off I want to give thanks to the almighty for having me for blessing me today to do what I do 
And with that being said, we're gonna jump into this. We're gonna jump into this devotional real quick. It's called the Secret of Greatness. And the scripture comes from Matthew 20, 26. Whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Let that settle in for a minute. All right. Christianity is filled with many paradoxes, statements that seem to be contradictory or absurd in worldly thinking, that, but are spiritually true. Jesus taught that it is better to give than to receive and that we find life and death. These paradoxes cause us to think more intently on what is being said. They challenge us to question our assumptions. Jesus not only taught this paradoxical, paradoxical wisdom, but also demonstrated it in life. He, the most holy son of God, allowed himself to be condemned and executed as a criminal. As king of the universe, he proved his greatness in being a servant and counseled us to follow his example. The challenge remains for us is to avoid being caught up in worldly thinking, which is often contradictory to divine wisdom. I rejoice in knowing the secret of to being great. All I need to do is become a servant to other people. To be great, the world says I must be powerful, wealthy, and famous. Jesus calls that artificial greatness. He teaches genuine greatness. With that being said, we're going to jump into the song and we'll be right back.
Back into the fresh box and the tailgate crew. My name is Jermaine, and we're about to get into something into a conference that top to bottom, probably well, it is the best conference in the nation. The last two years hasn't shown that since we haven't won national championships, but we've had a we've had a team in the championship game, and we had a team in the playoffs. So with that being said, we're about to get into the SEC. And before we get into all the predictions and everything, this past week we had some we had some quarterbacks named to different watch lists, and four quarterbacks from the SEC got named to the Manning watch list. Uh, Dak Prescott of Mississippi State, Matty Malk, of Missouri, Brandon Allen of Arkansas, and Joshua Dobbs of Tennessee um, were all named to the Manning Award list. And that list is full of great, great players. And we're going to welcome in my man, recently recently married. I'm not going to mess with him on air, but I will say welcome. Welcome to you, Mr. Scott Smith, and congratulations on the marriage. Hey, thank you so much, Jermaine. I appreciate you guys having me on today. How's things going? It's going well, going well. How's married life treating you for the first week? Oh, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. You know, we had, had to get it in before football season, so. Smart <laughs> but, man. Hey, it's Smart great. man. It's great. <laughs> and uh, like I said, you know, we, we uh, I've named off some quarterbacks, some SEC quarterbacks that are in the, that are uh, named to the Manning watch list. Um. And there's some very good quarterbacks on this list. Um, you know, among the SEC quarterbacks is also Tommy Armstrong from Nebraska, Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby Brissett from North Carolina State, Connor Cook, um, Michigan State, uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, Christian Hackenberg, among others on this list. And this is a good list. And also uh, named to the David O'Brien watch list was Jeremy Johnson. So with that being said, some of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, if you could rate them one to five, your five best quarterbacks, Scott, give me your five best quarterbacks. Well, okay, I'll say I, I kinda let me let me let me start off by saying that I'm a big guy on experience, especially the quarterback position. 
So um, when I make when I when I kind of give you who I, who I believe, I want to kind of preface that with saying like the Jeremy Johnson hype. I think he's talented, but this guy's played basically a half of football against one team that was even decent, and that was Arkansas. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and tell you he should be on a watch list of any type. Uh, you know, I, I believe that's a little bit. I think people project too much, um, uh, and, and kind of experience-wise, I, I believe obviously Dak Prescott is the best quarterback in the SEC. I, I believe that's you know hands down, and especially considering how many teams have limited experience at the quarterback position. I think, and again, I think Prescott's a guy that he could handle any situation. One big key of being able to handle, of uh, being able to project quarterbacks would be, hey, can a guy, can you throw the football? Or can you make a play when everybody knows you got to make it? third and twelve? Everybody knows. You got to drop and throw it. I'm not sure a guy with any experience can can do that consistently like Jeremy Johnson. I know Dak Prescott can do that, so I definitely would rate Prescott. Prescott one. I've heard a lot of things, and that guy does have some experience about the Dobbs kid from Tennessee. I've heard he's improved quite a bit in the off season, and that may be the case. But I would definitely say, in my estimation, the kid from Missouri uh, gets a little bit underrated. I'm, the kid, I'm trying to think of the kid's name. Um, I, I agree. Uh, Matty Mock does get underrated. I think, Matt, I think Matt, yeah, Matty Mock is a guy that he's not real big. He's, what, 5'11", 6 feet. He don't six have a standard yeah. for an arm. But, he, but, look, this kid can play. He's strong, and he's got a lot of experience. And I know people like to like – a lot of times people don't take that into consideration, but I'm huge on it. I would put Matty Mock uh, – I would probably put Matty Mock second, you know, if, if, I, if I had a gun to my head. Um, and then after that, you're starting to get into more projection. I, you know, you might look at Dobbs. I'm not crazy about the kid from Arkansas. I'll be 100% honest with you. To me, the kid from Arkansas is their weak link. And I know he's on the watch list or whatever. He has experience, and he hasn't gotten much better. And to me, when you have experience, you should you should see progression. So I would probably put Dobbs in there around around three. And then, you know, then you can start looking at Jeremy Johnson and, and, and that kind of thing. I, I think you, you might see, to me, Georgia is the situation where you've got a program that – they always have a good quarterback. They might, you know, since Rick has been there, for the most part, they consistently have a good, solid pocket passing quarterback. And so, whoever the Georgia quarterback is, he is usually pretty good. So that's one thing I take into consideration. But you know, like I said, it's a lot of his projection because of these teams that lost. They lost quarterbacks, and 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 you got a lot of guys throwing out Jeremy Johnson or the kid from Texas A&M because he had a glass couple good games. It's hard to look at a game or two and say this guy's going to be an All-American. So I'd go with the experience. You know, and I, w- I would definitely agree with your list. Um, there's a couple of names I would add to that list also. I mean, I like I like Patrick Tolls from Kentucky. Um, I think he's got a lot of upside. He played in all 12 games last year. You know, it's just it was just unfortunate that the offense was so much better than the defense last year that the offense carried that team to a five and seven year. I think they'll be much improved. Um, uh, so I would add, I would, I would take somebody out like a Brandon Allen and put Patrick Tolls in, in that, in that five, in that top five. Um, but you are dead on with, uh, with Dak Prescott, uh, Matty Malk, and Joshua Dobbs. Joshua Dobbs, who's from the state of Georgia, went to Alpharetta High School, um, saw him a lot in high school. Um, I saw the up- upside. And you're starting to see a lot of improvement with him throwing the ball with touch, you know, getting the ball out of his hands quicker. And he still has the feet, the feet to get out of situations also. So, you know, with those top three guys, if you've noticed, 
those are guys who can move on the on their feet and find receivers or make the plays themselves. Oh yes, a dual threat is definitely something. That, and I think you saw the SEC kind of evolve to this a little bit. Everybody else, everybody going to more spread and hurry up and that kind of deal. Um, and I think because that you've seen more scoring, and that's, that was always my my knock on the SEC as far as uh, when they a lot of times people used to say, oh, they, every defense is great. Well, in reality, a lot of those years, the offenses they faced were bad. Now the SEC is starting to – everybody's playing a, a more 2015 version of offense, and, and even the great defenses are giving up yards. And that's really what it's going to be. now. Nowadays, the offenses use the entire – 53 and a half yards that you have at your disposal, you're going to, even if a great, if you're a great defense, you're still going to give up some yards and some points to certain, in certain games. And now you're starting to see that in the SEC that the offenses are, you know, everybody just about is, is, is moving the football and spreading the field and, and scoring. Even like last year, Alabama, they had a kind of high octane offense, which is unusual for Alabama. But, um, you yes, know, I think that's one thing you're seeing. And I agree. And, you know, um, last week was, was uh, SEC media days and, um, a lot of that is evident in in the um, all SEC team that came out um, from the Associated Press and and the press that was assembled at the at Media Days uh, last week. And you look at the you look at the first team offense, and you see names like Dak Prescott, Nick Chubb, Leonard Fournette. Um, Malcolm Mitchell of Georgia, Josh Reynolds of Texas A&M. Um, you go to the linemen and you look at guys like Alex Cozon of Auburn, Avery Young of Auburn, and Evan Bohm, who I think could be the first center to be drafted uh, in next year's draft. Um, offensively, the All-SEC team looks strong. Defensively, it looks even better with guys like like Robert Kimdichie of Ole Miss, uh, Carl Lawson of Auburn, Miles Garrett of A&M, Vernon Hargreaves of Florida. I mean, this is a very stacked uh, preseason all-SEC team. Um, tell me your thoughts on what you saw on media days and uh, in that preseason all-SEC team. Well, I mean, you know, I was—I'll say, like I discussed earlier, uh, I was kind of—I was kind of shocked about how you know the Jeremy Johnson got rated a little higher than you know than I, I thought. Maybe maybe the media's you know thinking something I'm not. One thing that I noticed that I that, that kind of stood out to me, and I'm not sure if you know he got as much. He got a little bit of publicity, but he didn't get as much as I thought he should have got. Was I, I? You know, Nick Saban when he talked about. Um, the draft leading up to the draft and the leading up the draft the uh um the draft the early entries having to uh being a, the early entries uh time wise affect where the NFL has to have them affecting their preparation for the final four that's what stood out to me everything else was pretty pretty much you know uh the way I expected to go as far as you know ho hum but I, that part's what stood out to me because I think you know in a way it was kind of hey we're making an excuse that Ohio State bludgeoned us. I, I thought I thought that stood out to me because I didn't expect that kind of type of statement out of Saban. Um, outside of that, I thought every, you know everything else was pretty pretty much regular as far as the SD media days. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't realize you know until uh, till I, I listened to him talk the Vanderbilt coach Coach Mason. I, I didn't realize that he was 
did he put off the perception that he has that he's taking over the defense and he hired himself as the defensive coordinator and I believe that's because he knows he's on the hot seat. And Vandy goes one in eleven again this year, I think he's through. So that's a couple things that stood out to me, but the saving comment stood out more than anything. You know, I, I never heard. I mean, I've never heard Nick Saban actually admit anything like that, and it it, it kind of bothered me in a, in a sense. But it also showed that he's human and he sees he sees what we all see that Alabama's not invincible, you know. But at the same time, he's still got a great team and. You know, let's jump. Let's jump into some of the predictions and let's let's talk about some of the dark horses um, in the SEC. Uh, as we know, Auburn was picked to win the SEC, but Alabama was picked to win the West. Georgia, by far, was picked to win the East, but I still think there's some dark horses out there. And let, let's start with the East dark horses. Well, my dark horse in the East shouldn't be a dark horse. If you, if you ask, in my opinion, you know, and I, and I know people love projection and they love to – people love to project how somebody's going to improve, like Tennessee. People love to project how somebody has more NFL talent and they're going to win the East every year like Georgia. Every year, that's what I got to hear. Georgia's just – they got the best players. Well, now, listen, if they had the best players every year, Missouri wouldn't win the East. Okay? This the bottom line, if their players were better than Missouri's, Missouri wouldn't win the East every year. All right, so last year, Missouri is, to me, the dark horse. He shouldn't be the dark horse. Uh, to me, they're the preseason East favorite. Until Georgia proves they can beat Missouri in the East, they're not the, Georgia is not the East favorite. And, and I think it's ridiculous when I have to hear about it. Uh, so, I, yeah, I'm picking Missouri, and I think that's the dark horse because nobody's talking about them. You know, and, and I would definitely agree with, with you on that. And you, know, you talk Missouri, and we talk about what, they, what, they've, what they're losing this past year. They lost two receivers to the NFL. They've lost a defensive end to the NFL, you know, and, you know, I would, I would even go as far as saying that, you know, the other dark horse in, in the East, you know, as opposed to Missouri is Tennessee with, mm-hmm. you know, Joshua Dobbs returning. Then you have Alvin Kamara from Norcross High School, uh, former Alabama uh, signee uh, coming into the fold, Jalen Hurd, who, is a running back with a wide receiver's body, but can run like Herschel. Um, and then you have some receivers and a great tight end that I won't put in the same in the same sense of uh, Jason Witten, former Tennessee player, but I can I can see him having that kind of potential. Um. And defensively, they're improved. You know, they've improved a lot. And the recruiting classes they brought in, a lot of those players are going to play this year. So, you know, Tennessee, you know, I hate to admit it because I'm not really a big Tennessee fan, but I like what Bush Jones is doing. I love what what he's got going there offensively. And I think the, the Big Orange Nation faithful will – actually appreciate the team now as opposed to walking away from the team like they oh, did. The I, you, I, I think Bush Jones is doing a terrific job. I think he's I think he's building the proper way. And I I I, I just kind of, I kinda of believe I believe Tennessee's gonna improve some this year. 
I, the reason I favor Missouri over Tennessee is because Gary Pink Gary Pinkle has the program a, a consistent. It's, it, it's not a Nick Saban level, but it's kind of a uh, you know the next tier down as far as Missouri. Missouri, you know what they're gonna, you know what they're going to do scheme wise. You know what they're going to do uh, as far as the regardless of who's starting or how many players they've lost. This is a program that's recruited to fit this scheme all the way back to the Big 12, and they they're going to consistently do the things they do no matter who's coming back for them. They're going to win eight, nine, ten games, and I look at their schedule. I only see Missouri possibly not being favored in one game out of twelve. At Georgia, yeah. the only game they may be favoring eleven others. Whereas I look at Tennessee, a young team playing a, a pretty loaded Oklahoma at home. If they if that game goes the wrong way, what does that youth do? It might <sighs> it might go. Wait a minute, you know what? What's go? What, do we really are we really this good? If we just, if we get hammered at home in our second game. That's where I. That's why I kind of give the edge to Missouri. Missouri can get hammered, and still because of their experience and their coach, because of the consistency of that program, I think they could. You know, like last year was it, was it last year, year before when Georgia hammered them and they still won the East? Oh, uh, last two years year. Ago. Oh, it was last year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So last they got year. they got hammered by Georgia. They still won the East because that that program is a is a steady sale. You know, it's got a steady hand. Bush Jones doing a great job at Tennessee, but he's still early in the building of his program. Uh, and I, would agree. I, I think Tennessee. I think Tennessee. You may see beat. You may see them look like a top five team two or three times this year, but I think in the end, that maybe eight and five or nine and four kind of finish. You know, and they may be a year or two away from being consistently. That's just in, in my opinion. I think Tennessee does have a shot to win the East, but I, I do favor Missouri and Georgia over them just because of the the state hands of those programs do give them an upper hand. I believe. And I do, and I do agree with you. And you know. As we as we're talking about that, you know, we're looking we're looking at dark horses, and you're looking at under the radar teams that could challenge, but don't think that they have the the wherewithal to play with with the upper levels of the East. Um, I would go with Florida, you know, in that in that that next tier down. Um, Jim McElwain's going to bring something different to Florida. But is he going to keep that consistency defensively that Will Muschamp did and help that anemic offense that Florida had, you know, now that they have no Jeff Driscoll, you know, there's really no quarter. There's really not a quarterback there. Will they be that five, that four or five win team this year? Or could they surprise some people and win? Six, maybe seven games. I'm kind of thinking, you know, they're going to be six and six, seven and five. Uh, is what I, just just kind of what I'm thinking is just because of uh, I think you're going to see talent. They're going to have talent, you know, because Florida always has talent. I believe that where they messed up under Muschamp, and you're going to see that hurt uh, McElwain a little bit in early early development, is that they basically changed their recruiting philosophy of what they were trying to get on offense scheme-wise three years in a row. And so, therefore, you got a bunch of you got a bunch of guys that really you got three recruit, three different recruiting classes that don't fit, don't really fit. You got one class, the class they recruited on Charlie Watts, which will basically be when he was offensive coordinator, will basically be they'll be juniors this year. That class right. may fit Matt, what McElwain does. So you're going to see some of those juniors and seniors maybe 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 be, be solid, but some of these spread guys are not going to fit McElwain at all. So you know, uh, it's just it's going to be it's going to be a growing process. But Florida, you know, you're always going to have talent, so they can be scary. This is true, and you know, with Georgia, Georgia's got a pretty good. 
even though I think Georgia probably win more than more than most, I think they'll win eight, nine, ten games just based on the running game. But they have a pretty good situation at quarterback. I mean, they have some experience coming in um, with Grayson Lambert uh, transferring in from Virginia as a graduate. Um, you have Fatone Bossa, you know, dual threat quarterback from the state of Florida. And then you also have Bryce Ramsey, who's a Georgia kid from, from Camden County, um, who's been in the offense a few years and is considered a sophomore uh, since he did uh, come in early a couple of years ago. So with that being said, I think Georgia probably has the better upside than most. But with Jeremy Pruitt and Brian Schottenheimer together as the coordinators under Mark Rick, I think that Georgia has a chance to really do some special things if they can find consistency in the quarterback position. Yeah, that's one thing I think you've seen under Rick, which is going to be interesting to see how much Bobo leaving hurts. I know you get a lot of criticism. But Bobo has been there with Rick the whole time, and pe- people give him a lot, of, a lot of flack. But if you look at it, even when Georgia's had first-year starters, guys have played well. And that's a testament to coaching. When you get that, when you get a first-year starter to play at a solid to very good level um, against top-level competition consistently, that happens if you go back to Georgia. Uh, the whole time Rick's been there, first-year starter at quarterback has played very well set almost every time they've had one. And that's no. and that's something that it'll be interesting to see if Schottenheimer can help continue. If if, if Ramsey struggles, which I project him to be a starter, if Ramsey struggles, it may be that Bobo was a bigger piece to George's offense consistency than people want to give him credit for. So we'll we'll kind of see. I do think I'll tell you what I think. Jeremy Pruitt is a terrific coach. He's a guy in recruiting I've dealt with several times over the years. Uh, I talked with him about a couple of my guys uh, two years ago when he was at Florida State. I haven't spoken with him since he's been at Georgia, but he is a awesome defensive coach. I think. You're going to see him. You're going to see the Georgia defense take a huge step forward this year because of the complexity of what he runs is a lot very similar to what Alabama does, and because of that complexity, you're going to see guys playing this year at a different speed because they're not going to be thinking as much. So I believe you're going to see Georgia's defense take a huge step forward. You could, you could see that the whole key is going to be Schottenheimer. Can Schottenheimer prove or keep at the same pace the Georgia offensive consistency of what Bobo had it? And that's gonna be interesting. That's the question to me. Yeah, and that's a good point. And you know, and to and to even emphasize your point even more, if you go back to 2003, um, the last year David Green was there, um, and you look at the next quarterback, DJ Shockley, and you look at Matthew Stafford after him, and you look at um, Aaron Murray after him. You know, you know didn't get, well last year. Last year, even uh, Hudson Mason played well. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's, that's a testament to showing the consistency to, to the to the program, and uh, maybe Rams will be able to continue that. And I, and I think he could. I think he can. But with Ramsey being behind the eight ball just a little bit because he come he came from a school who ran the wing T and didn't that's throw true. the ball as that's much. Very true. So and now that he's been in the offense three years. Hopefully, you know, he can finally show everybody the kind of arm that got him to the Elite 11 and showing him why he was such a highly recruited quarterback coming out of South Georgia in that tough region in South Georgia, uh, Region 16A. 
you know, and we we haven't talked about any of the running backs um in in the conference as of yet. And I think the some of the best running backs are at excuse me, are actually in the East. If you look at um you look at what what's coming back. Um Georgia has uh Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, Keith Marshall, who was coming off an ACL injury and was part of that that two headed monster with Ty Gurley a couple of years ago. And you yep. got three well, great running backs. Well, here's the thing. Here's like something that. I think is funny. When I look at obviously everybody knows the name each of awesome player. You know, a lot of people know Marshall's name and then Sony Michelle. This is what I think is interesting. When I look at his depth chart, all right, and I see Brendan Douglas at number four. If you put I him agree. in, I, I can give you 70 Division One programs. He's start for, and he's number four. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, that, this that is says a lot about Georgia. <laughs> you know, and, and and the thing about Brandon Douglas is, is they're they're talking of moving him to wide receiver. Um, the last I heard was possibly moving him to wide receiver, but I don't think that he has the speed. I think that he's he's one of those guys who, if you give him the ball and you give him some time, he can make things happen. He was he's kind of like a like fullback that they had a, a few years back. Um, I remember I the guy you're talking about. I remember that they had a big fullback. Yeah, and I tell you what, Douglas stands out to me. Douglas, Douglas has very good vision. He has very good vision. He don't have great speed. That's the reason I agree with your assessment. I don't think he's a wide receiver, but I, I do think he, he could start at running back for a lot of schools in the country. And it's just you know, and maybe not even maybe not a lot of big schools, but there's a you know 128 Division One programs in the country. He'd probably start at 70 of them. He's number four at Georgia, so that's pretty awesome testament to Georgia's talent. And another Georgia kid. I mean, he's from Calhoun, Georgia. So I mean, and Georgia keeps a lot of players in the state. You know, and that that's that's a good thing for Georgia. And it's the same with with Alabama and the same with with Auburn. You know, they keep a lot of their in-state talent, in, you know, in-state. Um, they cannot recruit they cannot recruit anybody nationwide if they wanted to go nationwide also. Yes. Um, so, you know, we, 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 we haven't touched on Kentucky yet, but, you know, like we said, I mean, Kentucky – they're 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 that they're that team in progress. They're making all the right moves. They're move they're, they're on the right way up. But I don't think that they'll make a bowl game this year. And if they do, it'll be by the skin of their teeth because they were competitive last year. Yeah, Kentucky's getting better. The only thing about to me when I and I watched a replay of a Kentucky game the other day. It, where I still see Kentucky being Kentucky, and even when they, as far when I say Kentucky being Kentucky, when I mean the football, where they're not going to be contenders for the SC East or the SC title, and I still I saw it when when Hal Mummy was the coach when they were the best Kentucky teams I've ever seen, uh, ten mm-hmm. outs, they won ten games I believe. On the offensive defensive lines, they're not they're they're not they're not at the level that they've got some athletes. That's that's the that's the difference between a decent Kentucky team and the teams that were horrible was. The offense, the athletes running around, receiver and and running back, and some of the linebackers, defensive backs, they are better. Stoops has made them better at, at those spots. Offensive, defensive line, you know, when you're Kentucky, the in-state high school football is not very good. Um, I would say it's, it's it's very close to Tennessee's in-state high school football as far as probably being tied for worst in the southeast. Um, so you don't, it's hard to find linemen in, in Kentucky high school football. And when you're Kentucky in football, you're not going to go out and out recruit these teams for guys outside, you know, in other states. 
So I think lineman wise, it's just, it's a tough go of it. You know, it's a tough go of it, and that's when I think that's where Kentucky's going to come up short consistently in football. They're not going to have the, the the big boys that are real good. And I would agree, and and also Kentucky gets out recruited by Louisville a lot too in Absolutely. in that state. Yeah. You know, and they do. And you look at you look at the the, the the geographical landscape of of Kentucky. A lot of the players that could be great players end up going to the coal mines and not to school, you know. And that, and that that's unfortunate there. But you know, when you look at the grand scheme of it. I mean, I'm looking at Kentucky schedule right now, and I see five wins. If that four, four, I mean, the way they played South Carolina last year, I mean, if South Carolina doesn't find consistency at quarterback, that could be the sixth win that they need. But Yeah, I, I, I can definitely see four, uh, you know, when you look at – Lafayette, Eastern Kentucky, Charlotte, Louisville, at Vandy is the, is a toss up. I, 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 you know, South Carolina is going to be interesting. I don't know if early in the season that South Carolina will beat them. Uh, I think South Carolina might have a little more talent. I'm, I'll be honest with you, and this is going to sound crazy, but I do. I, I one school, school that I work with on a regular basis that I believe has more talent than people give them credit for, and Kentucky better not sleep on them. Is Eastern Kentucky? I would agree. I would definitely you know, agree. If they come in there and sleepwalk, Eastern Kentucky could bite them. I mean, in Eastern Kentucky, you know, if you look at their their history of coaches, I mean, Danny Hope was there for a long time. Um, I forget the name. The stadium is named after he was a coach there for a long time. The only thing that really hampers Eastern Kentucky in, in the state of Kentucky is the fact that their facilities are just they're horrible. Oh yeah, um, you're 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 absolutely correct about that. And you know, you look at you look at other schools in Kentucky like a Western who I think has better has a better football facility but not the size that Commonwealth Stadium has. I think that, you know, Western Kentucky can actually out recruit Louisville or Kentucky in football. You know, and they, they that's where they lose out at. Um yeah, you know, the you're, you're right. Western Kentucky has a rich history, so they, they usually have a they usually do well, uh, you know, as far as their backing and having the money come into the program. Louisville is somebody that I believe they as far as the the, the advancement that came in the past five or ten years of facilities, I think you can see Louisville be at a at a high level SEC level in the next twenty years. They're really I would agree. pumping money. They they are pumping money into that place. So it, it's improving little by little at Louisville. You know, and, and and you know, I know we're getting off a little off tangent. You know, with with the SEC predictions, but I mean, if you just, I mean, it's just there's so much to to talk about when we talk about football and we talk about certain states um, within the SEC. Um, it kind of make it kind of makes it real difficult to stay on on task, you know, with with what's going on, and um, you know, there's a lot of influx of talent, you know, uh, and Kentucky is is one of those hubs for talent. I mean, they can go to Ohio, they can recruit Big Ten country, they can recruit, they can come down to the South and they can recruit, but 
until they get that pipeline together of just talent that they can just draw upon, they'll be that bottom tier SEC school, you know, until somebody decides to put in the money um, that they put into the basketball. Yeah, and I, I think traditionally you've seen programs all across the country that are basketball first. You're gonna, you're never gonna, you know, very, very rarely do you see something like Florida where you got people pumping, putting money in equally, basically put an equal, an equal uh, amount of emphasis on both football and basketball. Most places, for instance, in Kansas, uh, in Indiana, Kentucky, those people want to be basketball first because that's where that's where they can win national championships. So I don't think right. you're going to see an equal level of commitment there. I, and, and honestly, I think the SEC's kept Kentucky in it. For a lot of years, I've always made a statement. They keep Kentucky in for basketball. They keep Vanderbilt in for academics. That's the only two reasons they keep them in, in my, in my estimation. Occasionally, Kentucky's decent in football for the most part. You know, if, if you can't out-recruit Louisville, how are you going to compete in the SEC? And that's kind of what this it comes down to. This is true. This is very, very true. So if we're, if, if we're predicting the East as of right now, Give me your top your top four. I would take Missouri and Georgia one two for certain. Um, I would take Tennessee. Ten, I would take Tennessee three. I would take South Carolina. I think South Carolina's down this year because everybody wants to talk about uh, you know all these teams in the ACC what they're gonna how they're gonna be up or whatever. It, somebody has to be down for when you have a fourteen team conference. Everybody can't be better. Okay. If your if your record is two games worse than it was last year, you're not better. I don't want to even want to hear that argument. So it's kind of well, I look at it. I South Carolina's a team that I feel like will come down a little bit, whereas Tennessee may improve some. I think there's going to be a good bit of difference between one, two, and three in the East and South Carolina at four. Then I think you got Kentucky at five, and and Coach Mason probably in his last season uh, over there, <laughs> over at Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, he better he better he better tighten up because I don't see I don't see how they can compete. Right, and I, I definitely agree. And then you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was. And I'm sorry. I had. I and in Florida, I would have Florida right there after South Carolina. I'd have Florida at five. I'd have uh, Kentucky at six and Vanderbilt at seven. Uh, I and I would agree with that. Um, you know, um, actually, like Missouri, like you said, uh, I just think experience is much better quarterback wise at Missouri, um, even though they do lose a lot. Uh, defensively, you know, well, sacks-wise and pass rushing-wise, I, I think Missouri still has that upside to be to be that top team. Georgia, solid two. Uh, Tennessee, yeah, you can even flip-flop Tennessee and Georgia if you wanted to. Um, South Carolina's four, definitely for me. Florida's five. Uh, Kentucky, then Vanderbilt. So, um, I think we're both in consensus that Missouri should win the East. Um, so with that being said, we're going to, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Purchase your tracks today. Let's get live, drink, get high, pull a bitch, fuck a bitch, that's it, good time. Let's get live, drink, get high, pull a bitch, fuck a bitch, that's it, good time. Let's get live, drink, get high, pull a bitch, fuck a bitch, that's it, good
Let's get live. Night get high. Pull a bitch. Fuck a bitch. That's it. Good times. Have a good time. Never listen to a hater say. Coming from the land where everybody's sitting for the shit. Tubers on my feet to be the only thing I'm skating in. Damn. I do it, man. It's only so it's cool. She's getting higher than a soda, man. And man, it's got me cooling. Got my girl on need for groupies. Got a temper better lose it. Got that strap on, make us use it. Came to party, so just lose it. Killing every single track. It's that they and we in the building. Uh-huh. Welcome back into the press box and the tailgate crew. My name is Jermaine. Here with Scott. Here with my man Scott Smith of Streets Light Recruiting. And before we get jump into the SEC West, Scott, won't you give me, won't you give me a recruiter of the week? Uh, I've got a kid that uh, actually just signed up with me about two weeks ago. That uh, is a guy that a lot of people nobody's heard of for the most part. That you'll be hearing about shortly because I was shocked how how awesome he was. Had a guy from Mount. Jacinto College in uh, California, junior college prospect. He's going to be a redshirt sophomore this year. He's also going to be, I believe he's 22 years old already. It's a kid named George Abialo, O-B-I-A-L-O. He's 6'2", 340-pound nose guard, originally from Great Britain. All right, so he basically limited amount of football. This kid made all-conference last year. Uh, had I believe it was 10 tackles for loss, 7 sacks, 50, 55 total tackles at, at a nose guard position where he was taking on two, uh, double teams. Nobody really knows about this kid yet, but I believe he will be a Division One recruit. As of right now, he doesn't have an offer from anywhere. But this kid, uh, after looking at his footage and stuff, I believe you're gonna you're gonna see him sign Division One, possibly a PCS uh, Division One. Uh, after it's all said and done, he'll probably be a December enrollee because he's already graduated. He chose to come back to Mount Jacinto College. Um, for another year, even having his, even though he had his degree early, because of his limited amount of football experience. But considering how well he moves at 340 pounds and, and how how much I kind of project him to get better because he's only played three years of football uh, and a very limited play in playing in, in, in Great Britain, obviously, as you can probably attest to. 
Uh, this kid, George Abialo, I believe you're going to see him have it be a fairly big recruit, and nobody knows who he is right now. So that will be my recruiter of the week, a uh, kid out of, out of Mountain Jacinto College in California, junior college. Keep an eye on him. Wow. 6'2", 340. California, a Briton, they in California. I mean, yep. I it's think a, I it's think an those, interesting situation. <laughs> I think those four those four Pac twelve schools and those two Arizona schools need to take a real good look at him. If he's six two three forty, he's a defensive tackle. Wow. Yes, and he, the thing is, he moves well enough to be a to be a you know a, a three a three technique and one gap guy gets up the field. He moves well enough to do that. But he's also big enough to be the two-gap nose guard like Alabama had Terrence Cody. He's big enough to do that, but actually do it athletically. He can do more than, than what a Cody could do. So I think – and I know wow. that's a big statement, but I, athletically the kid moves as good as any 340-pounder I've ever seen. Wow. And speaking of some recruits and some local recruits, um, Carver Columbus uh, quarterback Juwan Pass actually made his verbal to Louisville. Um, which shocked a lot of people because a lot of people thought that he would actually stay in state, possibly go to Georgia Tech, or possibly go to Georgia. So um, he decided on Louisville, which is which I, I think is a big upset for the SEC as a whole. It, it is. Uh, I, I mean, but it, you know, when you look at it, you have to look at it uh, when you're talking about a kid going uh, to play college football. Where can you prepare best as a quarterback? And, and at the same time, at the same time, you, you, you look at the schools that generally prepare you for the NFL. Uh, those schools usually have just stocked uh, quarterback depth charts. I know, you know USC is one that always has stopped. Their third-string quarterback will be a five-star. Well, this kid chose right. to go to a place that can prepare him for the NFL as good as anybody in the country with Bobby Petrino and has limited competition. He may be a four-year starter. So it, it, it you know it's something I think it, I think it was a, a good decision. A lot of people don't like it, but I think it's it's a very good choice. I think it's a smart decision. Also, from that standpoint, I mean, you look at a Teddy Bridgewater, who went to Louisville only after making his verbal to Miami, but when the whole Randy Shannon situation happened, he decided on Louisville instead. I think it was a good a good spot for him. Um, they kind of have the same body build. Only the difference is, is Jawan passes about 6'6", six, six, about 220, whereas Teddy Bridgewater is about six foot six one, about 200. I think that's the only difference between the, between the two guys. Very good arm, very good legs. I actually like what they're doing. Um, another quarterback that, that nobody talks about is the uh, Wakula quarterback from Florida, Felipe uh, – I forget his last name. He's an LSU commit, um, elite eleven quarterback this past this past summer. So I mean, there's a lot of good quarterbacks that are in this class this year, and not only this year, but the class of seventeen with your guy, um, the kid from Arab, Dalton Hyatt. Yes. So I mean, like, and actually, he did. Was he one of the kids that? Was that the uh, opening the regional uh, Elite Eleven camp in Atlanta? Uh, he 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 wasn't. He didn't attend the out, out in Oregon. I know he was at the Elite Eleven. He went to an Elite Eleven in Ohio, 
Um, and, you know, most of the time, Elite 11, this time of the year, they're trying to get guys lined up for next year. Uh, he said he felt like it, and, and just kind of what we project without having insight into it, they're going to select, I believe it's 30 guys for the finalists of Elite 11 next year, and he'll be one of them. I, I believe. I believe you'll see him be part of the 2017 Elite 11 competition. There you said, there you hear it. Dalton Hyatt, you know, playing for one of the better schools in 5A, if I'm not mistaken, correct, in Alabama? A-Rez in 6A, they got put out last year by Carver. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, out of uh, they got put out last year by Shades Valley in, in the second round of the state playoffs. But they're a pretty good program up there. Very good program. And, uh, again, you know, that's recruit. That's our recruiting for this week. Um, and, again, um, just to give you a little heads up, going to have some coaches on, on with us in the next couple of weeks, some high school coaches from the area. Um, very excited for that um, from both the state of Georgia and the state of Alabama. Um, hopefully we'll have um, Coach Clifford Story on, on with us next week. And, um, Coach Glisson from Troop High School. I hope, hopefully, he'll be on next week, uh, talking about their schools and um, also uh, the Beulah head football coach. Um, I talked to him also. So there's going to be a lot of good things going on in the next couple of weeks. We're going to have a lot of football uh, to talk about um, high school wise, and um, very excited about it. But as we as we as we're moving on and um. Talking about all things SEC, we're going to move on to possibly the fifth best division in the NFL. Um, I even put them ahead of the of the NFC, the NFC North, and the um, AFC South. Um, that's how good the SEC West is, and. With that being said, just throw out some just throw out some dark horses for me. Uh, dark horses in the SD West. I, you know, here's here's my my thing. I believe, in my estimation, I believe one of the and you really can't call any of them a dark horse. I mean, most people are picking Mississippi State seventh, and that's the team with the Heisman Heisman possibility at quarterback. <laughs> so I don't think it's necessarily a dark horse, but. I think as far as record-wise, teams that could surprise that, that people are peaking down a little bit, Ole Miss and Texas A&M are, are two teams that I believe will both finish ahead of Arkansas. So Ole Miss and Texas A&M both have very – I think their schedule set up very well for both of them. Um, and, and basically, I was looking at Ole Miss's schedule. That's, that's the team that intrigues me the most. And the reason I was looking, I was looking at the way Ole Miss's schedule sets up is because you've got out of their first up until they play at Auburn October 31st. All right, so before that you have eight ball games, and outside out of those eight, you can basically the third game of the season at Alabama is a loss. They yes. did very well in my estimation. They could their problem is experience at quarterback and that kind of deal. Okay, so they could be seven and one going to at Auburn, which would be. Their basically their first ranked opponent, their first ranked opponent after the Alabama game would be at Auburn, and they could be seven and one with ex- now experience. Now they have quarterback, they have a quarterback with experience at that point. I think their schedule sets up well for Ole Miss to be better than people think they're going to be. Kind of like I believe Arkansas isn't going to be as good as people think they're going to be. That, that's just my opinion. Uh, but I think Ole Miss is is uh, a team that the problem they have to begin the season helps their schedule sets up well. I don't. I don't think they have a tough first eight games. Obviously, you punt the Alabama game, you lose that one. 
but you can be seven and one going to Auburn with all your questions answered because you now have experience at quarterback. You know, and 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 I definitely agree with you on on Ole Miss. You know, and and they've been helped out a lot with um they've been helped out a lot with transfers. Also, they got the former uh, Clemson quarterback Chad Kelly. Um, they also had a, had another quarterback that was there that's been in the offense a couple a couple of years now. So you've got some you've got some great great players right now, and I think that when you listen when you look at the grand scheme of things at Ole Miss, they've got two good quarterbacks that can that can really spin it. But do they have the defensive help still with with Robert Kendichi with um with the loss of Cody Pruitt, who I thought was the anchor of that of that offense of that defense, I'm sorry. Um do they have that wherewithal to be among the best in the conference? Well, and that's the question. You know, I, I believe that you're going to see – I believe they, they have elite athletes. I think everybody saw that last year. Now, I still believe that there's a little bit of a Ole Miss questions, questions that they belong. I think you saw that against Alabama. I think you – I mean, not against Alabama. I think you saw that against Georgia Tech. I mean, it's TCU. But basically, do we belong here against an elite team? And they got land-based um, yes, I, but I think you're you're seeing the talent creep up and beat in Alabama. That's as I, what I meant. A talent will pop up occasionally. They've got the elite talent, but I still don't believe that they. I don't think they believe. Hey, we are Alabama level. I said I said they still question yourself a little bit, but that's I think talent wise. That I believe they have more elite athletes on the football field than Arkansas. But yet everybody's projecting Arkansas. A lot of people project Arkansas ahead of Ole Miss. I don't see it. I think Ole Miss has better players and a better schedule. Uh, that that that's why I've kind of that's why I kind of say they're they'd be my dark horse, and uh, you know one that I, I'll be honest with you I kept here and I had before I really analyzed the SEC West I kept here and how everybody's picking Mississippi State seven. Well, you know I told you earlier I'm big on quarterback experience. Well, they're the one team that's got it. Why? Why? How is everybody picking Mississippi State seven? Well, to me they have a they have a much tougher much tougher schedule overall than than for instance an Ole Miss than for instance um uh, like I alluded to. Uh, the uh, you had Ole Miss and you have um, not Arkansas the other the other uh, who else was it I had, I had a brain cramp here <laughs> uh, Arkansas Texas A and M Arkansas and Texas A and M the Texas A and M and Ole Miss schedules set up a lot better Mississippi State schedule is very to me the road contests are are tough they're gonna have a tough go of it I I probably they're gonna be either seventh or sixth in my estimation I might still take them over Arkansas. I'm not, as you can tell, I'm not sold on this Arkansas deal, but everybody else is. So I guess we're going to see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to throw out some numbers at you. Um, okay. Number one in in scoring defense last year uh, was the Ole Miss Rebel defense. They were in the top 30 at least in four major categories. Total defense, they were 13th. Passing offense, passing defense, they were 16th. Rushing, they were 29th. So, with seven starters coming back from that defense, nine starters coming back from that offense at Ole Miss, I don't see where anybody would say that Ole Miss will finish lower than fourth. 
And I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, going back into the projections where they had Alabama winning the SEC East, um, they actually had Ole Miss finishing fifth. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I said. I, I said mostly fifth. I, I, I and I just don't see that. And and again, what you said about Ole Miss, about Mississippi State, I don't see that either. Um, even though they only have four starters coming back and three starters on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of those players had experience last year playing. And you look at what they've done. You know, they were among the bottom. They're among the bottom, you know, passing defense. But everything else that you see offensively, defensively, I just I, – I, I personally – I like Brett Bielema as a coach. But I think Mississippi State and Ole Miss should have been higher. And I think they even should have been higher than LSU. You know, um, you know, looking at LSU – they can't even find a, a quarterback that can stay out of trouble. So, yeah, and, and, and see, LSU is a team, uh, obviously, as a Notre Dame fan, it's somebody I, I saw up close and personal last year in the bowl game. Athletically, you know, athletically, I don't think LSU would be – the game came down to a field goal, but I, I, I told a lot of people during the game and before the game, I felt like Notre Dame had better players than LSU on the field, everywhere else. And, and it, so it's athletically, who would I rather face, Ole Miss? Or LSU. I'd rather face LSU. I'll go ahead and tell you. LSU didn't have the traditional athletes that I've always seen them having. Not only do they have quarterback issues, but their defensive line, you can run at them. You can run the football at LSU all day, all night, and twice on Sunday. (laughs) And I would agree. Uh, As evidenced by Auburn running almost, what, 400 and something yards on them in that 41-7 loss they Uh had at Auburn last year. LSU, if I'm not mistaken, was ranked like 60th or 70th versus the run or something to that nature. They were ranked number one versus the pass coming into the Notre Dame game. Right. They were ranked like 50th or 60th versus the run. And, uh, you know, uh-huh. I, I just saw they were very weak versus the run. They were 46 against the run. Uh, 46 against the run. Yes. And they were number five nationally in scoring defense. So I think the disconnect there is that you can run on them all day, like you said. But until you put a balanced game together, offensively and defensively at LSU, they'll be eight and five consistently. And, I agree with you, hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, if they find a quarterback that will be that they can actually be a leader, kind of like a Matt Mark was, kind of like a a Tommy Hodgson was, and I'm dating myself. I dated myself a lot then. You know, to go along with Leonard Fournette, who is probably their best player, period. Oh, he's a you just can't. Yes, I mean you just can't. You you can't rely on on a guy like Leonard Fournette for a full season. I mean, you're gonna beat him up constantly, and this is one of those years where. I don't I don't I personally don't think that the SEC West will cannibalize themselves. I just don't. I, I think those top four teams will be those top four teams. Um but you look at the bottom three, the bottom three four is it, it, it's, it's pretty much a toss up. 
Oh yes, it's going to be a game or two difference between some of those some of those teams down there, and that's one reason to me. I always I always make a uh, I try to make an effort when I look at projecting teams and predicting is the schedule set up. Like when you when I predict, for instance, that uh, that Ole Miss will finish ahead of Mississippi State. I, it's not so much that Ole Miss's players are a lot better than Mississippi State. It's that Ole Miss's schedule sets up a little bit better than Mississippi State. But I try to schedule makes a huge difference in it. Where do you, where are your tough games at? Do people have bye weeks before? You know, uh, you know how many how many road games do you have in a row at any point? Um, what, what part of the season, if you have any experience at quarterback, do you face your tough games later, like Ole Miss does? Uh, you know, essentially the Alabama games are lost, but outside of that, they've got a good setup to get somebody some experience to to continue. Whereas and, and, then, and then also, you look, I know we hadn't discussed it yet, looking at Auburn's schedule, and this is going to sound crazy, but I say this ahead of time. I'm not, a, I'm not an SEC guy. I'm a Notre Dame fan, but I, so I try to be completely objective when it comes to nationally. Auburn has one of the weakest schedules in the entire country of the FBS team. So You know what, and I, and I agree. You know, the way this thing is, some people would look at their schedule. Auburn, their schedule at the end, like I've already alluded to, I don't think Arkansas is a very tough opponent. So let's just start after that. You got people would say Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Georgia, Alabama, four out of five games. That sounds tough, but you got four, four of those, uh, three of those four at home. All right, three of those four at home, and your first, the first seven games of your schedule is a cakewalk. So I think Auburn. Hey, as far as people projecting Jim Johnson having great numbers, they may be right. <laughs> they may very yeah. well be right. He may have great numbers. <laughs> uh, and I would agree. I would agree with you on that. You know, and and the good thing about Auburn's schedule and it sets up very well is that they have the quote unquote amen corner of games at home, the Georgia game at home and the Alabama game at home. Um and then they have homecoming in between. But I think for the most part, no no one in the SEC West has that gauntlet of games that you would see in the month of October. You know, like like Auburn did a couple of years ago, where You're they right. played a really good, well, they played a really good LSU team. They played a really good South Carolina team. Um, they played um, Arkansas, who was who was on the up and up that year, and um, and one other school, and split and split the five games in October three two. You know, you don't see you don't see that gauntlet of games um, this season, which is a rarity for me. Yeah, you're right, and I think it's you know I think it's spaced out a little bit. I mean, which I mean, some of it's hard. Some of it is hard to predict with the being that you do have people like you know LSU has a cakewalk October schedule uh, with Eastern Eastern Michigan, South Carolina, Florida, West Kentucky. I said cakewalk because I mean that's a con- like you pointed said October is a conference. It's a con- it's a conference type. Tough games being played nationwide. Now the team that, that I'm looking at Alabama, October. The, here's the thing: their entire October schedule is it could be weak or it could be tough. Strong because yes. you don't know Georgia, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Tennessee. How everybody in the world, including fans of those teams, don't know how good those teams are going to be. So you yeah, know, basically, that's a situation where you know I guess we're going to have to play that out and see because it's hard to predict <laughs> those four teams. You know, and I and I agree. And you know, you look at you look at uh, October third, um, top to bottom as a conference, and you see a lot of matchups, inter inter divisional matchups that day. 
you know, that includes the big one, Alabama, Georgia, which in some te- in one in one um on one schedule said that it was an eight o'clock game that was gonna be on CBS. Others said it was gonna be a three thirty game on CBS. Others said it was gonna be it was possibly gonna be moved to Thursday. You know, you, you just can't tell with that game. Um, I personally think that that's the marquee game of October 3rd, and that's probably the most important game for Alabama and Georgia this season is, is that October 3rd game because that's a swing game. You know, and it's a swing game for both divisions because when you look at the grand scheme of the SEC East and the SEC West, there's one or two games that can make or break your season. And that's one of those games right there. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that is that's and that's gonna be a game both teams are gonna come in ready and fired up. And you know, Alabama's gonna be coming off you on the road, so they'll have prep for Georgia, uh, for the most part. And and I, I think that'll be a heck of a ball game. And I believe that could spring load either one of them season. I mean, I think Georgia's gonna really have to they're gonna have to do some things, you know, athletically. They're gonna have to they're they're gonna have to get further along at quarterback than than I project them to be to be able to beat Alabama because I mean I don't think athlete for athlete they're better than Alabama, but I do think that that's a game at home with the home crowd behind them. If they get good quarterback play, they could they could definitely give Alabama the surprise loss like Ole Miss did last year. Yeah, and I definitely agree. And you know, the last time Alabama traveled to Georgia, they went up thirty-one to nothing, ended up winning that game by eleven. Um. So, and a lot of people actually go back to 2011 to that SEC championship game where Georgia came up three yards short of going to the national championship game, whereas Alabama won the national championship that year. Mm-hmm. I don't, I see, I see the rivalry being there, but I don't see that game as springboarding that. Mark Rick versus versus Nick Saban type of deal. I just don't. I don't see the the significance of those two of of that of that game like that. I see it as two big schools who are meeting on the field, and it's a rivalry game between the fans, not between the coaches. Not between. Oh the two yeah, stories. and I, th- I think I think you have that because one thing growing up in Alabama and, and obviously doing recruiting, one thing I've noticed is kind of funny. Even though Georgia plays uh, Georgia plays Florida high school as far as All Star game goes, and Alabama plays Mississippi, right. there is kind of a rivalry between Georgia and Alabama high schools and the way people talk. And I believe that it carries over into the fans of Alabama and Georgia against each other because they view themselves as pretty. You know, obviously Alabama and Auburn's a big deal, but that's in state. You know, that's kind of like right. your cousin you don't like. Alabama, Alabama, Georgia is more like you know. Hey, you're you're my border war. You're you're my you're the you're the other country. You're not you're not in my country. You're the other country, and I don't like that. right. I, I think you see that in high school, and and I, I, the funny thing is, I've got a cousin that coaches in Georgia at Newton, and uh, I deal a lot of times. We'll talk about a lot of the coaches that he talks to. Well, they'll have little arguments and stuff about who's going to win Alabama, Alabama and uh, Georgia high school. Matchups, you know, in, in the early season, and again, I think it carries over. When you get so much in-state talent going to Alabama and Alabama, so much in-state talent going to Georgia out of Georgia, when they play each other, you kind of have that. Hey, this is Alabama, Georgia. Even though it's really not, you know, there's a lot of kids from both schools that aren't from right. the state. 
I think you still have that kind of carryover. I think you. I think you'll see that uh, early again this year. You know, if you look at it this way, Cockwood County goes to Hoover this year, or is it vice versa? I know they play each other. I this year. I want to Hoover. I think Hoover played at Cockwood County last year. Uh, I know. I think there's a return. If I'm not mistaken, I, Hoover has Hoover played. They're out of state. They're out of state game last year. I want to say they played two or three up on the road. So I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure they're gonna you're gonna be back at the house for as many as possible this year. So I mean, so you got Cockwood Hoover, and then you have some you have some other games, you know, within that state. Um, I know a couple of years ago you had East Coweta playing Auburn. So I mean that that was a big time game. So I mean you got a lot of you got yeah, a lot of things. There's a good many matchups. I, one thing, one year I charted it, and there was a lot more Georgia-Alabama matchups in the early season. And then, you know, obviously you get the people to talk about the Hoover, Culquit County. But there's a lot of that, that go under the radar that, that they'll end up being, if I'm not mistaken, one year there was there was 25 or 30 total uh, in the first yes. two weeks of the season. So it's just kind of interesting to keep up with. It's, it's hard to follow unless you got uh, you got to get on the Internet and search for a while. But if you keep up with it, it's this pretty interesting. True. And uh, you know, and I knew, and I know that um, Allen High School wanted to play. Um, they wanted to play one of the Ale- one of the big time Alabama schools. I want to say it was Hewitt Trustville, and Hewitt Trustville didn't want to play. Well, not Hewitt Trustville, uh, McGill Tulin. Okay, to- yeah, McGill. McGill's a team out of Mobile. I've dealt with them in recruiting before. They got a lot of talent. They're usually not the best team down there, but they've got as far as athletes. They got hey, they got better looking athletes than Hoover. But Hoover's a better program, you know. <laughs> hey, right. As far as yeah, at McGill Tulin, I don't know what goes on with their coaching, but uh, the athletes—they have some impressive-looking individuals down there. <laughs> but I agree, I agree, and, and you know, and you know, and as a pre, and as a you know, as a reminder, to everybody, we'll be talking a lot, of, a lot more about Alabama and Georgia high school football coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, just, just throwing a heads up, heads up to to the listeners out there. Um, so. You know, getting back into into the uh, the college area, um, you know, we're we're looking at the uh, the upper echelon of of the SEC West now, and you know, starting with Alabama, you know, and like you said, the month of October is going to be pretty big. November seventh is always a big game of uh, Alabama LSU, Tuscaloosa. I don't. I think it's going to be a good game. I don't think it's going to be as good as it's been in the last few years. Simply because you have a down LSU team, as opposed to well as, for Alabama. I mean, you have a down LSU team that sits up well for Alabama because Alabama's going to be big on the offensive line. And they're going to be able to run the ball. LSU's weakness on defense is stopping the run. LSU's going to have quarterback issues as far as obviously they had it last year. Reading coverages, being able to throw the football on third and long, that kind of deal. What is what is Nick Saban excelling? Confusing quarterbacks. Yes. So it, it could be that could be a first round knockout, so to speak. <laughs> if, I mean, uh, if I I'm right, I believe it's a mismatch. You know, as far as just what what Alabama's strengths are is LSU's weaknesses. And I, and I and I would definitely agree with you on that. Um, and you know, like I said, I mean, the quarterback play is very important. But when you don't have the quarterback play and you don't have the defensive play that you should have, I mean, it, it, it's grounds for a long, long, long season. And, you know, A&M, until they remedy their their defensive uh, situations, 
the offense is going to have to carry the day for him. And the offense carried the day for him a couple years ago with Manziel to 11 and 2 season. The offense is going to have to carry the day again because, you know, again, they're giving up so, they gave up so much yardage last year, kind of like Auburn did, uh, giving up so much yardage uh, offensively. You no, know, as a defense, you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty well it's a pretty dire the situation. There, there is I believe the thing there is you get John Chavis are bringing him in and I, I don't you know I don't care if you, I don't care who you bring in. You can bring in get Bear Bryant out of the grave and have him coach the defense. Listen, athletically <laughs> they, athletically they're not an SEC team. I mean the the God's honest truth is Boise State has more athletes on defense than Texas A and M. You know, that's Texas A and M is slow on defense. And that, and in the secondary, they're not very athletic. They're they're going to have to win with their offense. And hey, look, that's a Big Twelve team for you. And I say that because since A and M and Missouri have been in the SEC, I've been calling them Big Twelve teams because you know what they are. They recruit Big Twelve areas. They they this is the same type. That they both of them are running the same things and doing the same things that they were doing in the Big Twelve, and that's just the way they're going to be. And and they're Big Twelve teams. They're going to be offense first teams, even though Missouri does a good job, obviously getting after the quarterback. But A and M is the same thing. They're gonna they're gonna play spread you out. I'm gonna try to outscore you football, and that's gonna work against some teams. And in some teams, it's gonna be a bad matchup, like we discussed the LSU Alabama matchup. Okay, I believe Texas A and M might be a better overall team than LSU. However, the matchup, LSU is elite secondary, an elite secondary, and the one thing the defensive line can do is rush the passer. So therefore, in that matchup, if you if you look at the last two years, LSU's pretty much punched them in the teeth. Because it's a bad matchup schematically, A and M can't win. Can't win them because LSU does good what A and M tries to beat you with. And so I think that's, that's kind of a, a good example there. And that's one reason why I, you know, I know we ain't talking about predictions yet. I would, I'll probably predict uh, uh, LSU to finish uh, slightly ahead of A and M for that one matchup because I don't see how A and M can beat them at LSU. This is very true. And you know, looking at some of the recruits that that A and M brought in this year, um. Uh, a Dalen Mack, who is a bit was a big time five star prospect out of the state of Texas, um, out of the central Texas area. Um, and they also brought in Ronnie Elam, who from Newton, Texas, who was probably one of the best cornerbacks in the state of Texas last year. Um, both of those guys could play early, um, but I think Dalen Mack. Has more of the upside because he's like six four, about three oh five, and can he can move like a defensive end, almost like a like a Marcel Darius type player. So, um, when when I see when I see players like this coming in, um, also James Lockhart from Ennis, um, Texas Power, Texas six eight Power, um, you, you kind of look at you kind of look at things in a different light, you know. Where some of these guys, even though they're fresh out of out of out of high school, coming into college ball, you know, I know the transition's a little bit different. But the way that they play football in Texas and the way that they play football in Georgia is a little bit different. So I think that they could just slide in and play, and probably won't hit that wall. Oh yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I think you're 100 right when in in, in how they. In what you what you're saying about the, how they play the, the type of football they play and 
and that, that kind of deal. You're 100% right. It definitely, that's going to prepare them at different levels as far as coming in and playing immediately. No, you know, and, you know I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at. I'm looking at the schedule for A and M, and it sets up pretty good, just like everybody else's schedule. But it also sets them up for failure because there's a lot of swing games in here, uh, especially in November and and early, especially not over in early November. You know, with the the crossover game with Missouri, um, LSU, and then they have West Virginia. And then they have um, I'm sorry, um, the crossover games with uh, Vandy and and uh, South Carolina this season as opposed to last season where they had so many so many different situations that occurred, you know, where they lost a quarterback after having such a great first five, six games and then you run into a bus all like Mississippi State and then you get beat up at home by Ole Miss in front of a record crowd at Kyle Field um and then you look at October this year and you look at what they have, Mississippi State, Alabama, Ole Miss, South Carolina. That could possibly be a one and three uh month or a two and two month. I mean, because I don't think they'll beat Alabama and I don't think they'll get by Ole Miss. I so, agree with you I mean, there. I can see them going two and two in that month. However, I'll say this, I think the rest of the schedule sits up good because I mean, okay, you know, treat Two tricky games in the first at the beginning would be you say you know a lot of people say Arizona State and Arkansas both of them would be played in the state of Texas. Uh, Arizona State plays right. they'll be playing that game in Houston. Arkansas Houston. will be playing that game in Arlington. Uh, I think mm-hmm. you know that's a good setup for them. And then again, you do get you know you mentioned you get Alabama's probably a loss, but you got that at home. Auburn later on is probably a loss, but you got that at home. If you're an A and M fan, it sets up as good as you can have it. You know with the with the lone exception of, of, of at Ole Miss and at LSU is, is pretty tough road games. Your road schedule is pretty, pretty, pretty easy, to be honest. <laughs> and if you look at it, if you give an over-under on Texas A&M of how many games they'll win as opposed to how many games they'll lose, I, I, I just still think that over-under is probably, I, I want to say five, but you got a swing game in there that could make it six. So what's your over under for A and M? Well, I mean, I, I would have it. A, I would have it a little higher. I, I I would probably say either six or seven. I think Arizona State's a swing game. I think Ball State and Nevada are wins. I think uh, I think Arkansas is a win. Again, I've already said I don't think Arkansas is that good. Uh, I think Mississippi State's a win at home. I think Alabama's a loss. No Miss a loss. South Carolina at home is a swing game. I think Arizona State, South Carolina. Those are two games that are swing games. And so I think outside of that, you got wins and losses because I think they beat Western, Western Carolina, they beat Vanderbilt, they lose to LSU. So, uh, you know, I, Arizona State, Arkansas, and, and like I said, the, the South Carolina, that's kind of their, their, their three swing games. But I, I, I think I, I see them being, you know, I could see them winning seven or eight this year. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, mean, I, I see six. I mean, but – I mean, it's just October is just that one of those months, you know. Oh, it's a tough run. Yeah, it's a tough run. They're going to have to go two and two in October to get, like you said, to get more than six, they're going to have to go two and two in October. I mean, and, you know, 
you don't know what kind of what kind of quarterback Spurrier has at South Carolina because the guy has no experience. So yeah, that's true. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one thing, and I hate to throw I hate to throw a little skid bit out there, but uh, I will while I got a chance. Uh, the you could have one of um, my former streetlight recruiting guys take snaps at South Carolina this year. Um, probably the second best quarterback I ever worked with outside of the kid I got now from uh, Arab. I had a kid named Michael Scarnecchia out of Fleming Island High School in Florida two years ago. He signed with Furrier. He can throw it a country mile. He couldn't outrun a wooden Indian, but he can throw it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you what. He can, I mean, I'm talking about NFL-level arm strength. I kid you not. He can throw, and he's 6'5", but he's slow as molasses. Uh, but I, he's a kid in, in the spring. I think he was running second, uh, second in the in the, uh, in the in the running for the starting quarterback job. But as you know, Spurrier likes to move guys around and likes to change quarterbacks. So if he gets a chance, keep out, keep an eye out for a Michael Scarnecchia. If Spurrier can get guys open with his system like he used to at Florida, as far as just asking a guy to take the snap and throw the football to the open man, you ain't gonna have a guy that can throw the ball harder or further than Michael Scarnecchia. And I and I agree and you know and I agree with you and I and that was a name I've heard before. Um, he's from one of the smaller schools in Florida. Is that correct? Yes, he played, played at Fleming Island. I think Fleming Island. I want to say they were six. I want to say they're either five or six A, but they they're not a traditional powerhouse program. His senior year, they had the best year they ever had. I helped uh, three of their guys sign Division One, including him, and uh, they ended up getting, I believe it was, to the. Third or fourth round of the playoffs played one of the traditional powerhouses and got hammered. But I mean, they were talented. Clemson now was very talented. Um, in, in comparison, they had a they had a level of, of athleticism similar to Hoover. Um, but now Scarnecchi had some weaknesses in his game as far as reading coverage and stuff. But like I said, just standing and watching him throw the football, how far and how hard and how it spirals. Let me tell you what he can he can spin it as they say. He can spin it. So I mean. A lot of, lot of play, a lot of, lot of schools. If those, those two quarterbacks that they have in front of them, I think that he actually fell to third in the depth chart, uh, behind um, a walk-on and Connor Mitch, who was a four or five-star recruit coming out of the state of South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, yeah, you could very well see all three of those guys play this this fall. If you know, knowing Steve Furrier. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is very true. Um, and now we're jumping out, you know, since we talked about Alabama, let's, let's talk about the Auburn Tigers and they made some changes off. They made some changes defensively. Um, also some changes offensively. Um, I think you'll see more of a, you'll see the same run based offense, but I think you'll see them run the ball more, um, defensively with Will Muschamp and Gus Malzahn together. Along with Rhett Lashley, I think Auburn has the best chance of going that nine ten win type season, as opposed to what happened last year and that debacle, that meltdown that they had, uh, going one and four in their last five games, including the eleven point loss to Alabama, which was record setting because it's almost seven hundred yards of total offense. For 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 Auburn against Alabama, which is the most that Alabama's ever given up. So, um, with that being said, Auburn for me has probably the best the best running backs in the SEC West 
Javon Robinson, who was an original, who was originally a signee to Alabama, I mean Auburn, uh, didn't um, didn't qualify first time around. Comes back in, uh, Rossini Thomas, he's back, um, and then you have um, I can't remember his name now. Uh, but you have um, then you have receiving core like Ricardo Lewis, Duke Williams, Marcus Davis, who who's coming in, and then you lose guys like Quan Bray and Sammy Copes. So, uh, with that being said, uh, project Auburn for me. I love Auburn's schedule, like I just like I said earlier. And when when I when, I don't mean any disrespect when I said Auburn's got one of the easiest FBS schedules in the country. I mean that is a good thing because to me that's part of winning the national championship. Part of playing up a place being beaten in the final four is how does your schedule sign up, uh, set up? So there's there's ten teams in the country with equal talent. I mean, there's not you know it's not like you got one team. It's just you know NFL talent. Everybody else is just high school talent or something. I mean, you, there's a lot of talented teams. A lot of times it's how your schedule sets up. I think Auburn's schedule sets up terrific, especially when you consider. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not I'm not near as big on Jeremy Johnson as people think. As, as a lot of people are. And the reason being that uh, out of Carver in Montgomery, he was a he put up a lot of numbers stat wise. Uh, I think it was a it was a uh, a credit to his coach and coaching staff. They did if you watched his his game film, then they they ran a lot of the air raid type stuff, a lot of screens. He threw for five thousand yards and four thousand of it may have been screens. I mean, it, it really wasn't a lot of complex drop back read this read this quarters coverage kind of deal. I mean, it was a lot of just quick hit this guy after three yards, let him run. So I'm not super, super high on Johnson. I think he's got talent. I think he's a solid player. Um, honestly, if he could throw the football as well as people are projecting, he would have been able to out-throw Nick Marshall to start last year because Nick Marshall was a defensive back playing quarterback. So I think Johnson is going to be pretty good. Uh, I, I, think, I think Alabama Auburn, is the, that that winner in that game is the SD West winner is what I think. Um, I don't think Auburn has as good a talent as Alabama. But being at home – Gus Malzahn is terrific with X's and O's. It does make it intriguing. I think Auburn has a great schedule and and and, and uh, should be in good position to win. Have a chance to win the SC West when they play Alabama. And I and I and I definitely agree. And you know, if you look at you look at the the recruits that that Auburn's brought in, um, you know, and the transfers that have come in, um, you got a transfer from from. Michigan. You have uh, Trey Matthews who played at Georgia, who will give they will give depth to the defense where they need depth at in both safety and, and corner. Um, they did lose a backup uh, corner um, to transfer, and I think that he actually joined his brother at Clemson. I think they lost the uh, Dallas and the twin. Um, I think he actually transferred. So, um, when you look at you, you look at what they've got coming back as, as opposed to what they have in house as of right now, and what they're adding, I think losing a guy, I think losing guys uh, like they lost last year was addition by subtraction. And one of the guys that's going to step up to me is actually a kid who's from this area, uh, Mari Swain. On that defensive line, on that defensive line, uh, went to high school, Troop High School. Uh, he's going to be a junior this year. I think he's probably got the best upside 
not as athletic as the guys that's in front of him, but I think that he'll play a lot more than people think. Oh yes, absolutely. I thought well, Auburn does a they do a terrific job of, uh, and they will in a much different. They've always done a terrific job of rotating defensive linemen, and that's the best way to. Hey, that's the best way to get you to, to have a good pass rush. I mean, is to make sure that you are rotating. Now, a lot of times the guys you're rotating in second aren't as good of overall stop the run, stop the end rush pass or combination guys, but you need to have fresh legs to be able to get the quarterbacks. And with the SEC as a whole going more to spread and throwing it and that kind of deal, being able to rotate and play a lot of defensive linemen. And, hey, Auburn is a bit, Auburn's going to benefit. You're going to see Auburn, they have a lot of really good pass rushers in their, in their two deep uh, up front, and you're going to see all of them, you know, Excel. I agree, and I agree. And you know, if they can get if they can get the corner play, um, and actually remedy those tackles, like the tackling problems that they have the last two years, um, along with a guy like a Blake Countess who, who was very good at Michigan, was Excellent a lockdown player, yeah. corner at Michigan. Um, he comes in. Place corner immediately as a graduate as a graduate student um, and a sure tackler. You know when you see those boundary guys make sure tackles, you're going to see the interior start coming around and making big time tackles also. So it's just a lot. It's a lot of give and take, a lot of momentum that was that was gathered from the hire of Will Muschamp bringing him back into the fold. I thought Gus Malzahn was a genius in telling um, Jay Jacobs to shut up and let me hire this guy. Don't you worry about it. I mean, because that was the whole reason why he left in the first place. Yeah, and, and that's true. Well, you know, it's, it's, no matter what, no matter what anybody wants to say, Gus Malzahn is the it, it, it's his it's it's his program to do as he pleases in any shape, form, or fashion. Period. So anybody disagree with him, bye. I don't care if you're the athletic yes. director or whoever else. You don't get a say-so in his coaching staff, and you shouldn't. Any program where the athletic director has a say-so in the head co- who the head coach hires is not a real serious mm-hmm. football program. A real serious football program is ran by a, almost like a dictatorship. He is the he is the alpha and the omega of that world, and that's the way it should be. I love Nick Saban. Yeah, I love exactly Nick right. Saban. That's how you run it. That's exactly how you got to run it. I mean, and like I said, I mean, like you look at you look at Nick Saban, you look at Gus Malzahn, two totally different coaches, two totally different philosophies, but they're almost the same person that I would say, you know, in that regards, is that you're not going to dictate what they do, and you're not going right. to tell them what to do, you know. They're going to run their show, and they're going to run it how they want to, and, and that's that's why they're yes. both. If both good fits for the universities, one thing I'll give Auburn credit for, and I said this years ago, when when Auburn when Auburn hired Malzahn, it was a terrific hire because I've I've said this from the jump. Alabama has the history; they have the money. They're going to always be be better than you there. Where you can be yeah. Alabama is by doing something different. In other words, what Auburn runs on offense is different than what Alabama runs. So they're recruiting different athletes. What Auburn runs on defense a four man a four three front as opposed to what Alabama runs an odd man. You're recruiting different athletes. You can beat Alabama that way, but if you try right. to do the same thing they do, you're not going to beat them. You're, you're just you're not going to beat them to the talent because they're they're going to have the history and the money. But what Auburn did by hiring Malzahn and obviously running on defense, running the four three, bringing in Muschamp, he's going to he's going to 
he runs a little bit more of a four-man front type stuff, even though he coached under Saban. He still runs a little bit more of a four-man right. type front. They're going to recruit those athletes like that. That's a great idea. That's what I would do if I was Auburn. I would absolutely do that. And Auburn, they're on the right track because Malzahn is a terrific coach. I mean, if you look at if you look at defensive hires from this past offseason, you know, the two hires that I that I really liked was Will Muschamp at Auburn and Gene Chizik at North Carolina. I thought those were two of the best hires I as offense of defensive coordinators that I've seen in a long time. Um I love the direction that Auburn's going in. I love the direction that um that the SEC's going in, you know. Um, but as a whole, I think from the West standpoint, you know, there won't be any cannibalizing this year as opposed to the last few years. As I said earlier, um, I think the top two teams are the top two teams and they'll settle it on the field, unlike the Big 12 where I think that the SEC West winner will win the SEC championship again. Oh, I 100% unless, agree with you on that. Uh, unless a team like Missouri actually grows a set and actually goes toe-to-toe with a team like Alabama or a team like like Auburn, which I don't see them doing, doing as of right now because they're just – they they don't recruit the right areas. I mean, like I understand you recruit Texas as a whole, and that's great because that's great federal recruiting areas for us. You know, for you, but but it's the second tier. Okay. The, it's, yes. it's second tier kids in Texas are getting. That's the thing. They, 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 what what they really need to hit, and, and nobody talks about it. Probably one of the top five states talent wise in the country that I think they could they could get in and finagle while Michigan and Penn State are down is, is Ohio. Get the guys. Yes. The second tier of Ohio guys might be better than the second tier of Texas guys because you got to consider how many teams are hitting the top tier of Texas. Everybody. Well, you got Ohio, exactly. Ohio State, and then Ohio State, and then who? And then who's getting the second? Maybe maybe Notre Dame if they're if they're academically qualified. But Missouri, if I was there, if I was Cincinnati. in that, where I would. Get- I mean, or Cincinnati. I mean, it just depends on. And I think, and I think that it actually depends geographically in the state of Ohio, as opposed to anywhere else. You know, whether you want to stay close to home. You know, if you're in that southern Ohio area, if you want to stay close to home, you go to Cincinnati. If you want to go win somewhere, you go, you go to the center of the state, and you play, you play in Columbus, you play for Ohio State, That's or right. you go to That's Michigan, right. or you go to Michigan State. You know, so, and usually Michigan, usually Michigan and Penn State are up, and they they kind of get in that 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 that, that, that part of the country a little bit, but they're down right now. That's why I say, you know, hey, if you're Missouri, you got all in, in, you got all these SC teams hitting Texas, you got TCU hitting Texas, you got Texas Tech Stadium, you got all that. Well, then how about let's punt Texas and let's shift a little bit to, up, up 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 north to Ohio because you that's know, where you got, you, there, there's good talent there down a little bit. You know. And you, and, 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 you know, and I've 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 had this I've had this conversation with with other people before. But if you look at the top five states talent wise for football, you have to look at Georgia, you have to look at Florida, you yeah. have to look at Pennsylvania, Ohio, and California. And yes, those West Coast guys are going to stay West Coast. You know, whether they're going to Oregon, Washington, Washington State, 
you know, or any of the four California schools or, you know, or Arizona, you know, there's a big influx of where, where you can go out that way. But if you want to play, you want to play somewhere and actually get some experience and, and actually want to make it to the next level, you know, one of those schools come to the West Coast. One of those schools go to the, as I call them, speed states like Florida, who I think is where a lot of the speed comes from, or Pennsylvania, where you got that blue collar type type of type of player, or Ohio, where you you got that all around player who can be your best player on your team or be the worst player on your team, but still get the job done. Absolutely. I, and I, I'll tell you one, I know we're going to get off, off the cuff a little bit. One thing uh, is I've been in this recruiting for like eight years now. Pretty much, I've seen almost almost every state's high school football. And like I mentioned earlier, one, a couple of states in the SEC territory that are not as good, people always talk about Southern football. Let me tell you something. Tennessee high school football is a joke. All right. Tennessee yes. high school football is a, an absolute joke. Okay. Um, Arkansas is pretty, pretty much below average. Missouri's not very good. I'll tell you somebody in the, in the northern area that is very good on an individual talent level, but now team-wise you don't see it because I don't think they have the coaching and the resources. Illinois has a lot, a lot of high school talent as far as individual ability. And uh, that's one thing that stood out to me. I was shocked. when I, You know, obviously when you see a lot of these northern high school football teams, I saw mm-hmm. a good meaning it wasn't very good. Illinois had a consistent talent level all the way from 1A and 2A up to their 6A, 7A. Pretty I impressive. I mean, I I'm not saying they're, they're not Florida, but they are underrated. Yeah, and I would agree, you know. And you look at you look at uh, what Illinois had on their on their roster last year um, in terms of quarterbacks. All four quarterbacks were from the state of were from the state of Illinois, um, and that starts with West Lunt, who was a five star quarterback coming out of high school when he went to Oklahoma State. Now he's at Illinois, and if he can stay healthy, you know, again, you know, I know we're going off cuff here, but. If you look at if you look at a guy like Westland, if he could stay healthy, he could have played anywhere. You know? Oh, you're absolutely right. Very talented kid. Very talented kid. You know, and and me being from the Chicago area, um, I think the big the one of the one of the untapped one of the untapped resources of recruiting in Illinois is out on the west side, like near in Naperville and and in that area. Where there's a lot of talent there, and that's where a lot of the talent goes, you know, to Northern Illinois or to or down to Champaign, or you know, if they qualify academically, they they go to Northwestern. So, um, with that being said, you know, I can see a lot of those players. I mean, those players can play in the SEC. Yeah, um, that's why that's why I was getting at Illinois High School. I, I saw a very good level of speed. And, and for instance, like I said, in comparison, I, I believe if you took the state of Illinois and played them against Tennessee or Mississippi, Illinois would win. Like if you played them head to head all the way through, I think Illinois would win. I would agree, and you know, and I know that there was an Illinois team that actually played a team from Ohio and actually beat that team from Ohio. So yeah, and Ohio traditionally is, is no root. That's what I mean. Is just I was just bringing up a state that was under the radar a little bit. And then in comparison, like I said, I think the South is over recruited when it comes to high school talent. In other words, I mean, I think Alabama is very good. Georgia is awesome. Florida is awesome. You got Texas over there is great. I, I believe that South Carolina and Tennessee and Kentucky and Arkansas and Mississippi, listen, there's not a ton of talent. I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. There's not a ton of talent in those states. 
so it's just it's just kind of interesting how the South gets hammered recruiting wise. But there, there's only three or four states that are great. There's a few, uh, you know, yeah. like I said, South, you put the top team South Carolina against the top team from Alabama or Georgia, and they're going to get hammered. Like they have almost every year, Burns has played these teams, and Burns gets yeah. Burns plays Hoover, and Hoover wins by forty every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the thing, and the thing about Burns is they came, they came to, um, they came to Atlanta a couple years ago. They played uh, North Gwinnett one year, um, and beat them to death. And then they played Buford, and Buford beat them to death. So yeah, I, I think yeah, I think I think it's definitely a, a different. You know, I, I, my, my cousin actually. He is a participant. I think he, he's like one of the guys that's over at this Alabama, North Carolina. I mean, the South Carolina, North Carolina Shrine Bowl All Star game every year. So right. I've been up there for that week a few times, and I've watched the guys practice. I mean, there's talent, but it's not not the Alabama Georgia level of talent. In that, no, no. I mean, and, and the funny thing about it is, you know, you look at the rosters for South Carolina, and you look at the rosters for for Georgia, Georgia, Clemson, and South Carolina. There's more Georgia players on South Carolina and Clemson's roster than there is South Carolina players, if you look you're at it from that right. standpoint. Uh, you're and then, right about that. And then you look at the Georgia schools, you look at Georgia, Ty Gurley and Keith Marshall are from the state of South Carolina. And, you know, that's where a lot of the disconnect comes from because a lot of those players – from South Carolina, they want to come. They want to come somewhere where they know that they'll win. They know that they'll get at the same time. I think that it's away from the state. I think it's a comfort level. Yeah, and I think it's similar. Also, you also see it if you look at the Mississippi team, Mississippi schools rosters. You have several guys from Alabama, where it's kind of like South Carolina and South Carolina and Clemson dip into Georgia because they know that's a better level. Mm-hmm. I think Mississippi, Mississippi, Mississippi State, don't get me wrong, they do recruit Mississippi, but they dip into Alabama for their that next level. That some of some of them guys, Alabama and Auburn, may have missed. And I, was, like, I had a line, I had an offensive lineman two years ago. He's the backup left guard at Mississippi State, and Dion Calhoun out of Birmingham. Um, he's the guy that Jeremy Pruitt when Jeremy Pruitt was at Florida State, he called me about Dion, uh, but Florida State didn't offer him. Mississippi State ended up scooping him up, but that was a guy Alabama and Auburn didn't offer. This is a very good football player, right? So you see, you kind of see Mississippi, you know, Mississippi State, no miss. They have to supplement their high school talent uh, with both the junior college ranks that they have there in Mississippi and the Alabama high school talent, you know, next next door to them. Similar to similar mm-hmm. to Clemson and South Carolina, they have to dip into Georgia. And and that's and, and you know that's just crazy. And you know you get that dime a dozen group of guys from. From Ole Miss, from the Mississippi, you look at tonsils. You look at, um, you know, if I go back a couple, go back a few years, you look at uh, Romero Miller, who was who was from Northern Mississippi, that Memphis area. Um, and you, you look down south, and you look at Brett Favre, and, you know, and some of those guys that Southern Miss had. I mean, there's a lot of recruiting that goes on. Oh, absolutely. They have elite players uh, at the top. The, their problem is, as far as their high school goes, is the depth. I feel like, you know, you, the depth of Alabama, you can, you can get 50, 60, 70 deep into the top top seniors, and you're still dealing with very good Division One players. At, at, in Mississippi, 
you get 20, 30 deep, and you're about running, you're about hitting your limit. You know, and, and you look at Louisiana. Louisiana, there's a lot of talent in Louisiana, too. I mean, like, if you oh, like if you go across the board, I mean, Louisiana's got great talent, but they don't have the structure of high school football as you do in Georgia or Alabama or, you know, or or. You're right, Lady Louisiana. They, at, on an individual talent level, uh, I, I, you know, it's similar. I mentioned about Illinois. Individual talent is terrific. Now, the teams mm-hmm. as a whole in Louisiana, like you said, the structure it might not be comparative as far as moving over and playing a Texas or an Alabama or a Georgia, but individual talent is very impressive. Yeah, and I would agree. I mean, and and that's evident by uh, a Glenn Dorsey. Uh, Jordan Jefferson, you know, when he came out of Destrehan. Um and we can even go back to Alabama and we and we look at a guy like Jamal who was from who was from Mobile. Um yeah. you know, the talent the talent's there all over the South. But where there's fertile ground is around those hub cities, if you think about it, like around Jackson, around New Orleans, around Atlanta, Birmingham, um, Nashville, Memphis, you know, if you want to go that far, you know, that's where a lot of the talent is. And then you have that, that talent that's under the radar in those small little pocket towns, kind of like, a, um, if I, if I may say so, uh, McClendon from, uh, NC state, uh, who played for the Falcons for a while, T.A. McClendon. Yes. Um, yeah, they're, they're, you're right, there is little pockets, and, and absolutely they're very, very talented little sections of the state, for sure. But, you know, and that's rarities that you, see, that you see those, too. So, you know, but I know we've gotten, off, we've gotten a little off cuff here, guys, and, I, and, I, and I'm sorry. And I also got a special guest online with us, Mr. T-Rex. He's online with us tonight. T-Rex. Hey, guys. How y'all doing today? Uh, I'm good. Terrence, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. First of all, Mr. Smith, I want to say congratulations on your marriage. Oh, well, thank you so much. I pray, I pray so much. We pray for you all, and and everything's going to be all right. Well, we sure appreciate it, and thank you. Thank you for, for wishing, wishing this well. Yeah, but uh, I'm very excited for the season. Uh, I've been listening to the, the entire show, and I'm definitely ready for some SEC football because that's, to me, that's the best conference in America, and there's nothing like it. Uh, for the people that that's tuned in outside of the South, just don't know how much we appreciate football. Football is oh, like yes. second oh, nature yeah. here, <laughs> and 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 just to hear you you guys talk about you know Auburn and Alabama LSU, you just you just got me excited, man. I'm ready to watch some football right now. <laughs> I, think got, it, I think it makes, it. Those, makes us two big two of us. <laughs> oh yeah, that makes three of us. That makes <laughs> three of us. But um, Scott, give me your give me your um your top seven on the SEC West. I I will take like I said the Alabama Auburn winner, and I hate to say it, T Rex, but I got Alabama winning the West. Um, I got okay. Auburn finishing second. I believe those two for sure top ten teams. 
Uh, and, and I think it's, it's, it's going to come down to that game in Jordan here. Uh, I've got Ole Miss third. Uh, like I told you, I thought their schedule set up really well. I think Ole Miss uh, kind of sneaks, sneaks, sneaks in there at third. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make kind of a surprise kick, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pick uh, – well, I, I pick LSU at four because they probably will beat A and M, and and I pick A and M at five, and then uh, six and seven. I'll probably I'll take Mississippi State and Arkansas at seven. Everybody's got Arkansas improving. Obviously, I don't. <laughs> I, I, agree. I would agree. I think Arkansas is about a year or so away. Um, so I, I would I would make them sixth or seventh. Also, um, I don't. I mean, I, I hate to put Mississippi State so low. But you kind of have to looking at the high size of Auburn, Alabama, which is obvious one two or one A one B, and then you have for me, um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say uh, Ole Miss, then LSU, uh, then then like you like you have it, but I, I'm kind of. I just have it one A one B. I'm not gonna pick a winner of the West because the West is gonna be one injured in here, like it was two years ago, and hopefully they can't keep us off the field that night either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I but, definitely agree with you on that. But I mean, you know, I was there when they sat Brody, but I wasn't there when they when they. When they couldn't keep us off the field, I hate that. Cause I sat brother that. Night. <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely gonna come down to Jordan here, and anything can come, could go, anything could happen in that game. Um, you know, I mean, I think Malzahn's a great coach, Saban's a great coach. Both teams got a lot of talent. It's gonna be, you know, I, but it's, it's crazy it is to predict. I feel pretty good this far out that it, and Alabama Auburn winner is the winner of the West, and obviously you guys do too. Okay, well. Let me ask you this before we before we get before we leave the air. Who will be the starting quarterback at Alabama? Well, <laughs> uh, I tell you what, as bad as it is to say, they they they. If I could if, if I could tell you that Alabama had a good quarterback, I'd probably tell you they'd win the national title. Um, Jacob Coker, I guess uh, I guess he starts game one. I don't think Jacob Coker's a starter in, in Auburn. If that makes sense, I, I think. I think Coker starts game one, and then Cornwell is the starter by the time Auburn comes. Yeah, you know, and I and I'm really hoping they keep the red shirt on Blake Barnett, but I can actually see Blake Barnett playing some this year also. As bad as I don't want to say that, and as bad as I don't want to see it happen, because this is a supreme talent, and he's a game changer. So, I mean, I I I. I I want to say Jacob. I want to see Jacob Coker be the starter. I want to see Cornwell be the starter. I mean, even Cooper Bateman, you know, can play a little bit also. So it's really hard to say. Yes, it's tough to predict it. I mean, my thing is Saban is such a great evaluator of talent at almost every position. Quarterback, he hadn't done real well. I mean, uh, I think, like you mentioned, I think Barnes is an elite talent. Um, he was originally a Notre Dame commit. I'll, I'll say this: I believe Blake Barnes is better for a system like Notre Dame runs than he is 
under center of what Alabama ran Blake Sims last year. I don't think Barnett, he can't throw the ball 15 yards. I mean, the guy's got a pea shooter, but he can run like a deer. Uh, and he's, he's tall. My, my guy that I, Dalton Hyatt, I got a picture of him with Blake, Blake Barnett, and Dalton's about 6'4 and a half. Barnett looks like about 6'6 six, six and a half. <laughs> Barnett, he, he's, a, he's a terrific talent. I just don't know if he can throw. If they, if they play Barnett, they need to run the true spread, the true zone read spread. Uh, I, I think if you're under center, it's going to need to be one of those other guys. I don't think uh, Barnett, you know, arm strength wise, I think he's got a little ways to go. I think you saw that in the All Star game, the, the Under Armour game. Uh, he didn't throw the ball overly well, but I think he's a great. So talent. before before we get off there, what what true freshman will play this year uh, in the SEC? In the SEC, that's a that's a tough question. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, true freshmen. It's, it's you know about about ninety ninety percent of them red shirt. So you know that that is that is definitely a tough question. Um, that that I you know I wouldn't have a definitive as far as true freshman quarterback. Is that was your asking? Yes. Woo, that's a that's a tough one. I I'd have to I believe I'd have to to pass on on that on that question. I don't really have have an answer for you because if you're playing a true freshman quarterback, it's probably gonna be a long year. So it's hard for me to predict. Who's going to play a true freshman? I mean, it, it, you well, know, well, well, Vanderbilt, who's Vanderbilt? They, didn't he sign a kid? They lost that to retirement. They have McCrary, who is an Alabama guy. guy from the, actually, he's, actually, he's from the state of Georgia. I'm sorry. Um, they got so Kyle Shermer, I believe. Be wasn't the, wasn't the, he a signing this year, Kyle Shermer? Yes. Um, yes. That may, yes. If I had to predict. If I had to predict, I, I would say uh, I would say the kid from uh, Vanderbilt. Yeah, I would definitely. Say or even Kyler, or even Kyler Murray. I mean. Yeah, I would definitely say the kid from Vanderbilt. Go ahead, Scott. I was just saying I would I would say the kid from Vanderbilt just because that's the play. What where, where has the most chaos? That's what that's that's where I would say a, a true freshman plays. You know, I think right. these other everybody else is established as far as you 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 know if you're playing a true freshman in Georgia or in Auburn or in Alabama, you're in trouble. <laughs> it's for, you know, I you, agree. You're I probably agree. not contending for a national title if you're doing that. Well, we got about we got about another minute on 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 the air with us, T Rex, uh, Scott. Thanks so much for being here. Um, any any last words? You any shout outs you want to give to to anybody, guys? Uh, I just like to tell you guys, thank you for having me on. And uh, like I said, if, if like I always say, if anybody needs to get in touch with with uh, me for any recruiting, uh, feel free to look up streetlightrecruiting.com. All my information on there. I do all sports. So if anybody needs any recruiting assistance, please give me a shout. But uh, and and I also like to like a shout out to you guys for having me on. I sure appreciate it. And I enjoy it. Enjoy every show. Thank you. And also check out Scott Smith's YouTube channel, which is Streetlight Recruiting. T-Rex, thank you so much for, for calling in. Uh, Scott, thank you very much for, for being a part of the show. And thank you, fans, for being for being a part of my show also. Um, and then in closing, I want to thank everybody for being here. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Well, we'll be talking some high school football and also talking about some matchups coming into the season. And we'll also talk some Notre Dame football from my man Scott here. So for everybody here, 
Thanks a lot for joining us, and we out. Mob gang. <laughs> you ain't ever pushed no weight. Broke the phone back. What are you talking about? It's cake. Wouldn't rush his back. Feed an attitude ring. So you slow and stop killing the me. Sounds strange. Never, never been to jail. Why you glorify that? Be yourself. Think the rhymes on me. Won't you try that? Music just entertainment, but I wouldn't buy that. Throw enough lies. Now let's talk about that. I'm on my boy all your life. When was you in the street? Got things in the booth that sound good over beat. Got it up on TV, make you feel like a G. Talking how you get it in. 